Well, that was Dr. Stan Reeder. He's over USA and Canada, and if you couldn't tell, he's, he's very much Canadian. Um, well, today we're going to talk about prayer. Today, we're going to dive into to this study on prayer as we're praying our way. Patty, you, you okay? Okay. Well, as we journey together toward Pentecost through prayer, we're going to have s- several opportunities for you. We have... Uh, Patty, wh- what are you doing? We're going to have several opportunities for you. We have a prayer journal. What are you setting up? We have to get people signed up. We have to get organized. Signed up and organized. O- organized for what? Okay. Uh, what? What does that have to do with anything? Okay, so what, what, what is all of this? Well, here's my plan. See, in Christian circles, we just have an accountability group. So my plan is that we would um, sign everybody up, and then once we get them signed up, then I'll transfer them. This is a calling tree, and so you're, you're number one, and then everybody will have two people assigned to it. Patty, I, I don't think that's that's necessary. Well, it, the thing is, if if we if everybody now if we will have to call everybody, it would just take forever. But if why why are, why are we calling people? It's an accountability group, Ryan. See, here's the thing: if 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 we're going to ask people to sign up to participate, then we have to be. Pat, Patty, there's, th- there's no sign-up sheets. Okay. But but what if I don't pray? I definitely have thoughts on consequences, yes. Yes. Great. So what's your thought? Patty, uh, I'm afraid that we're missing it here. Really? Yeah, there's, you see, with prayer, there's, there's not really checklists, and there's, there's not really schedules. Right, yeah, see, 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 prayer... 
you're at a good point because we're going to talk about it for six weeks. But, but, but prayer is it's, it's not just a, a duty that we can say we've done, we're good, we can go. It's not like doing the dishes. You don't just check. Well, of, of course, but forced habits are never good. And, and we, don't want, we don't want to guilt everyone into praying because that's, that's not the essence of prayer at all. Well, you're kind of jumping the gun here. You see, we're about to get into this. The half million mobilization is all about focusing back into what is prayer? Why do we do it? How do we do it? And how do we do it together? It's, there's no consequences. It absolutely has an impact. More than we could ever imagine. No, no sign-ups. The, these are great. It, you know, next year for the basketball tournament, just keep this. And you've already got, you've already got your bracket ready to fill in. No, no, no calling tree. We're not going to bombard everyone. No, 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 no consequences. If prayer was a reality show, we would have consequences, but it's just not. But maybe over the next few weeks, we'll get there. Sure, yeah, just, just leave it here. Um, you know, this, this might come in handy throughout the sermon, or um, we might could use this for consequences. Uh, so now that we know a little bit about what prayer is not, I, I want to invite you, I really do want to invite you to journey with us, okay? So um, over the next six weeks or so, we're going to pray our ways to Pentecost, and um, we have about 25 copies of this prayer journal printed out. Um, the smaller ones are just kind of normal size. We have about 9 or 10 of these, and then we have about 15 of these larger ones that are a larger print, a little easier to see. This is available um, through on usacanadaregion.org.com slash pray, um, and I can send that link out. And it's also available in an app called the Half Million Mobilization app. And so what that does is it gives you the reading for today, the scripture for today, and the prayer emphasis for today. But on the app, tomorrow is not there yet. You can't jump ahead. Every day they're going to publish it to the app. So if you're tech savvy and you need your phone to remind you, do that. If you need paper copies, we have them here printed um, and ready for you to journey with us. But this is, this is really important because the whole idea of this and I've shared this before, but it started with the general superintendents praying, and then it moved to district leadership, and then it moved to pastors, and now it's all of us. And, and it doesn't accomplish this goal of praying together toward Pentecost if it's just the pastors doing it, or if it's just a couple of us in the congregation doing it. But it's the idea is that we all pray and discern what the Spirit would have for us as we, as we lead up to Pentecost, this powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So um, I, I just... I can't emphasize enough, there's daily readings uh, and daily scripture, and then as he said in the video, uh, there's places to write down your response, and then there are places where you can actually go online and submit your responses to the general church. They want to know what the Spirit is saying to our local churches, 
and, and what that can look like for us as a denomination. So um, if you would like one of these, please come down front after service and grab one. Um, and, and like I said, it's all available on PDF on the website or in the app if you'd rather do that. But um, just, I, I can't ask you enough, please participate in this. And they're not long readings. It, it's, it's really going to be great to go, to go through this together. And I, and I hope that you stick around through the, the finish of this series because it's going to build. And if you miss a week, um, we do have the live stream and the podcast if you miss. But we're going to dive into prayer and what it looks like. So I invite you today to look at uh, Luke chapter 22. <clears throat> this is actually a text that we read in our, um, in our Good Friday service. Luke chapter 22, we're going to start in verse 31. I would ask you to stand one more time this morning as we stand in honor of the Lord's word. And this is, this is uh, Jesus speaking where we pick up. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord... I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. This is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. You've probably heard the term epic fail, right? We... We, we all know what an epic fail is, and, and if you don't know what an epic fail is, if you go on YouTube and type in epic fail, hundreds of thousands of hours of videos come up, whether it's people falling or cats that try to make the jump and they don't quite make it, or, or little kids ice skating for the first time, and, you know, or, or snowboarding accidents. Or it, the list goes on and on, but epic fails are usually really, really humorous to those that aren't involved. Well, today I want to ask, in our scripture, who failed? Did Simon fail? I mean, he did, after all. He, did, he does deny Christ. We know that. That's pretty terrible. Or, or dare I say it, did Jesus' prayer fail? Did Jesus' prayer for Simon fail? Funerals are tough, right? We can all agree. Funerals are just, oh, they're, they're so tough. And... And they're not only tough for the family that, that is, is grieving, but have you ever gone to a funeral or a viewing and you really only know one person involved? And you walk in and everybody there is like all family and they all know each other and you kind of walk in and, and you look for that one person that you know and you go seek them out and you go give them a hug and then you're kind of like, well, I guess I'll get out of here. But, well, I need to tell you a story and I think I shared this with the worship team, but I have a good friend named Eric that I grew up with to go into youth group in, in Manchester. And, and Eric is, uh, he's just a ball of energy. He's, he's a really fun guy. He, he's great. Well, this year, I just so happened to run into Eric at our district men's retreat. He, he and his brother and his dad were there. And, and I was having dinner with him one evening. And he said, Ryan, I got to tell you two stories. I haven't seen him in years. And these are the two stories he thought were important. Well, the first one was about how he got arrested. And if you knew Eric, it was not surprising. Uh, but essentially, he got arrested. He was in jail for 45 minutes, and his dad cleared up the misunderstanding with the police department, and he, he was out of jail. But very humorous story. But the second story Eric told me was that he, went, he had a coworker 
who lost his wife tragically. Um, his wife died, and, and so Eric was like, you know, Ryan, I, I wanted to be a good person, be a good friend, so he said, I, I, I never met this guy's wife, but I went because I wanted to support Reggie, and, and I knew that we were buddies at work, and so he says he shows up, and just like I described, he knows nobody, and he sees Reggie, his one, one friend from work, so he walks over to Reggie, and he gives him a hug, and you know, it, it makes Reggie happy to see Eric. He's excited. He says, oh, yeah, so thank you so much for coming. And uh, Reggie asks, well, Eric, do you want to see my wife? Eric had never met her, never seen her, and, and he said, well, sure. Well, I need to fill you in a little bit. Eric is one of those people that doesn't really do silence. Um, he doesn't really filter his words. It's just... If it's quiet for more than a second and a half, Eric's going to speak. He's going to say something. It's, it might be off the wall. It might have to do with what's going on. He just speaks. He's got to fill the silence. We know people like that, right? Good people, but just not talking is not an option. So Reggie puts his arm around Eric, and they, you know, they walk over to the casket. And, uh, and Eric just looks at her and looks at Reggie, and he's like, you know, she, she was beautiful. I'm so sorry, Reggie. And and he said, Reggie kind of teared up and couldn't say anything. And so Eric's instinct just kicked in. Oh, it's been two whole seconds. I got to speak. Something's got to come out of my mouth. And Eric was mortified when telling me this. But he had his arm around Reggie, and he just looked at him over his wife's body and says, Well, Reggie, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Horrible timing. <laughs> that is in Scripture. That's in Job. Not what Eric meant by any means, but Eric is just Eric. And so that's what just came up, and it, he said it, and he was mortified, and he apologized to Reggie, and wrong place, wrong time. You know, I had a professor that told us a story about a funeral. It was, it was for his dad. His dad, when he... Um, that my professor was in his 20s, and, uh, and his dad was going through uh, cancer and, and just treatment after treatment, and it wasn't looking good. And, and, and he told us in class one day, he said, guys, when, when my dad was going through all that, I was at every prayer service I could find. I didn't care what church. I, I, just, I was in every prayer service. He said, I, I was on my knees in the morning, on my knees at night. I was praying as I was walking around. I was praying all day long. I was giving it all I had. I, I cried every tear I could cry. And still my dad died of cancer. And he said, you wouldn't believe. But more than one person after that funeral came up to him and had the audacity to say, if you had just had more faith, maybe your dad would have lived. Again, wrong place, not the right thing to say. But so often when we get in those situations... Those kind of awkward situations, our filters go away and we just kind of say what we read on a t-shirt or read on a bumper sticker. Or, you know, uh, the things just come out of us. We know that we don't believe that. But for Tim, it scarred him for years. Because then he had to wrestle with the fact, was it really my faith that caused this to happen? Huh. Simon's denial of Jesus, after Jesus had prayed for Simon's face, was not some lack of faith on Jesus' part. Let's clear that up. 
Do we really think that if Jesus had more faith, then Simon would not have denied Christ? Come on, Jesus having more faith? Absolutely not. And so it's not the case when we earnestly pray for something or someone and it doesn't turn out the way that we prayed. We often find ourselves in situations like Eric where we don't know what to say, so we just rattle off some random scripture and we think this is going to help. Sometimes it's just better to not say anything at all. So back to the first question. Did Simon's faith fail? Hmm. If it, if it wasn't Jesus failing, then Simon had to have failed, right? He denied Christ. You see, failure is such a strong term. Failure is a long-term judgment upon performance. You know, when we were in school, or maybe you're still in school, and you received a 95% on a test, did you fail? No, you didn't fail. But did you succeed? Right? Uh, uh, Well, of course you succeeded. You only needed like a, a 60 or a 70 to pass, depending on the grading scale. 95, you succeeded greatly the ultimate goal of this whole concept of school is an appropriate mindset that trains students in the knowledge that they need to function in society and to be successful in their fields that's really our idea of education but as a student journeys through school they're never ever ever expected to receive a hundred percent on every assignment right if so then everyone would just fail all the time there will be times where they miss punctuation or they they jumble up two vocabulary words and they give the wrong answer or they'll mix up bones in the body on an anatomy test it's gonna happen the goal of school is not to produce perfect individuals If it was, then none of us would have ever graduated. The goal of school is to mold students into people who can thrive in society. And if that's happening, then a school is successful. You see, the purpose of our faith is not to form us into perfect people. But the purpose of our faith is to transform us into a people who can live in unity with the Spirit of God in such a way that the kingdom of God continues to break into our current and present reality. So did Simon fail? No. I don't think he did. Yeah, he faltered, but he didn't fail. We can look at the rest of the New Testament and see how Simon, who then becomes Peter, he then becomes one of the most prolific preachers and sharers of the gospel I mean, if you read the book of Acts, uh, Peter's all over the place. I mean, he's, he's just quickly and, and urgently going around telling people about Jesus. Did Simon fail because of that bad decision on a tough day? No. Did Jesus fail because his prayer for Simon didn't work? No. In fact, I very much believe that Jesus' prayer actually did work. And that's how we still read about Simon later on in the book of Acts. Because, because God, Jesus was praying for Simon's faith. 
And his faith was strong enough that when he faltered, he was able to keep going and become one of the most prolific preachers that we've ever seen. Ryan, I thought we were talking about prayer today. We most certainly are. So many of our prayers are for the right now, for the immediate. God, help me to stop sneezing. If you prayed that prayer in the last month, would you raise your hand? Yes. God, help me to stop sneezing. God can do that. God, heal my sister's pain. God can do that. Church, the people of God wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, praying that God would deliver them. Did God deliver them? He absolutely did. Hmm. Did some of them die before seeing that come to completion? They did. Even Moses, the leader, he faltered a little bit. And God said, you're not going to make it there, for you will die before the people make it there. But had the people of God in the wilderness not been adamant about prayer, there's no telling how long they could have wandered. Hmm. Prayer is not something that, that we can sit around and measure success from. And I know we do this, and I do this, and we, 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 Lord, help us to not do this. But so often we look at the list and we say, well, God answered three out of my 157 requests this week. So either it's me and I'm not praying enough, or I don't have enough faith, or God is on vacation down at Tybee Island. One of those things has got to be, that, one of those has got to be the issue. It sounds silly, but we all do that. Or if, if you do use a prayer list, you realize, well, well, God answered this and this, but this one that's been down here since I was a little kid is still there. We're still praying for Uncle Timmy to come and know Jesus. We're still praying that, that Uncle so-and-so would be healed. It just seems like that one just keeps lingering. That's true. Prayer is not just something that we can put into our routines and expect that more will be answered the way that we want it. Prayer has to be for us as it was for Jesus. A constant communion with the Father who wants to be in conversation with us continually. Are times of corporate prayer important? Absolutely. Are times of quiet prayer to yourself important? Absolutely they are. You know, we, we always end our prayers with the word amen. Do you know what amen means? Anyone? So be it. So be it. So when a pastor prays and says, and all God's people said, amen. We're saying all God's people said in one accord, in one unity, so be it, Lord. So be it. These things that we've asked and heard from you about, so be it. But so often, church, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself, I wore my boots today, just as I'm stepping on your own toes still hurts, but so often we view the word amen just like the end button on our phone. We think, oh, we're at the end of the prayer, amen, click, and if we want to talk to God, we got to dial his number again later. It's not how prayer works. You see, when we say amen, all we're saying is, so be it, Lord. Let it be, Lord. The word amen is a continuation in prayer. 
And that's why, as all of you do tons of times during sermons, and you, you hoop and holler and say amen, when people do that, they're saying, yes, what that, whatever the person just said, so be it. Come on. That, that's what's being said there. It, it, it's not some ending, but it is a continuation. I mean, think about it. Even in our service this morning, I've prayed a bunch of times, right? We prayed at the beginning, we prayed in the middle, we prayed for the offering, and at the end we said amen, amen, amen. And it's not just that we were saying, all right, that prayer's over with, but we were saying as we continue this service, which is an act of prayer to God, when we pray for one thing, we say, so be it. When we, when we pray for the offering, we say, so be it, Lord. And in a moment when we pray for God to bless our elements of communion, we will all say amen and say, so be it, Lord. So may amen for us never be the end. Our prayer must continue throughout our entire day. And we have to be listening for God's response throughout the day. You see, Jesus' prayer for Simon was not a one-time thing. It's not that Jesus was just saying, Simon, I prayed for you yesterday at 10 a.m. until 10.02 but Jesus was always walking around in prayer. He would then escape and go pray some more and be away from people. And who was he praying for? He was praying for his disciples. You know, there's even a prayer in the New Testament that Jesus prayed for you. It, in, in most Bibles, it's, it's called Jesus' prayer for, for future believers or something along those lines. And it's a prayer for us, for people that never got to meet him. Jesus prayed for you. Jesus prayed for Simon. And it wasn't a one-time deal. And you know what? Jesus prayed for Simon even after he denied Jesus. Because it wasn't that Simon had failed. And it wasn't that Jesus' prayer had failed. But it's just that the prayer needed to continue. The prayer is still going on. So to start this series, I really want to embrace this idea that prayer is not something to be scored. Prayer is not something to be measured as success or failure. Prayer is, is to be our constant reminder that God is God and sees time through a different lens. God is already in the future, ready to embrace us with open arms. And through prayer, God allows us to be heard by God and for us to hear God. And I've said this before, but prayer is going to look different for each and every one of us. <clears throat> Some of you probably do have an actual prayer closet. You might go into a space in your house and it's it's either dark or it's very well lit or you have stuff on the walls or you have a Bible there. Some of you, if you sit still for more than 90 seconds, you're asleep and you say, I cannot pray, pray in a dark closet or I'm going to fall asleep. And some of you might say that, man, when I'm walking those trails and I'm just quiet and listening for the Lord and praying, it's just a special time. So during this series, I... I hope that you would try some different things as you pray. That maybe even in, in your car you pray. Or, or I've even heard people who, who make uh, prayer in the shower. They, they use each element of bathing themselves as a different aspect of prayer. There's so many ways you can do it. But again, we don't want it to become routine. We want it to become part of who we are. And so that even when we've gone a few minutes or a few hours without recognizing our constant communion with the Father, that we would pause and say, Lord, I need you. Help me to hear. 
Prayer is the conversation that allows our hearts, our desires, to align with God's heart and God's desires. Well, this morning we're going to partake in communion, and if I could have a couple people come and, uh, and help pass out the elements here. Um, I don't know that there's a much better way to start this, this series on prayer than, than to share in communion together this morning. As a reminder that, that prayer is a constant communion with the Father. In the Church of the Nazarene, we practice open communion, which means you, you don't have to be a Nazarene. You don't have to, you know, have sat through a class with us. To partake in communion today, this just means that you have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all. And for those of you that are wondering, this is the last batch of these pre-made cups. And hopefully in the very near future, we will be back to regular communion. But if you've not used these before, you peel back the top layer and it reveals the, the, the wafer. And then when you peel back that second, it reveals the juice. If there's anyone that has not been served, please raise your hand. Thank you guys for passing that out this morning. Before we partake together, we need, we need to, to continue our prayer. To continue our prayer together and ask that the Lord would seek us and see if there's anything holding us, holding between us and God. So this morning, let, let's pray together. Father, we, we want to be challenged to become a people of prayer. God, help us to realize that that just because prayers aren't answered the way that we want, that, that it's not a lack of faith on our end, and it, it's not that you're on vacation, but God, help us to be in it in the long haul, to know that some answers are coming. Father, today as we partake in communion together, we ask that you would bless these elements, that they would be for us the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus our Savior. And so that we may be the broken body and shed blood to the world that so desperately needs it. So Lord, we begin this series on prayer. And, and, and we're reminded by partaking in communion of, of your constant communion with us. So Lord, as we partake together, may you bless us and keep us. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered the disciples in the upper room. And, and they had a, a feast, a very large meal. And as part of that meal, Jesus took the bread and he held it up and he prayed for it. He blessed it and then he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And then after the meal, they would have filled their cup multiple times like we did at the Seder a few weeks ago. But that last and final time, they would drink from one communal cup after the meal. And Jesus, he took the, ju the, the wine, the juice, he, he, and he held it up and he blessed it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Would you stand with me this morning?
And even this final part of our service every week where we have a blessing, it's just a continuation of the prayer to say that we're praying that that same God that we just read about, heard about, sang about would be with you and go with you. So today, may the God who never goes on vacation, the God of Simon, the God of all who have altered but kept the faith, may he go with you and call you into a, being a people of prayer. And it's in his name we all say, amen, amen. If you would like one of the prayer journals, um, paper copies, um, come and grab one there down front. And uh, we will see you guys later.